Well, good morning, Identity Church. I appreciate everybody coming out this morning. You know, we have, um, we've been so blessed to have a lot of the people that are here just speak into our lives, put some blood and sweat equity into our actual uh, church buildings, uh, blood and sweat equity into like changing me. I mean, you know, Brad says that I'm like a baseball bat covered in nerve. That's, that's what Brad used to say. I would like to think I've grown a little bit. I've, I've updated to some memory foam or something, you know. But I don't know if that's any better, Brad. But you know, one of the things that I, when I'm looking out across this group of folks, is that there's so many family and friends that are here. And it blesses me because, you know, I see you guys... And I think to myself, you know, a lot of you guys have grown up in the Word. You guys have actually put into me. And you know what? I, I've, I so appreciate y'all. I really do. I appreciate everything that, that people in this room and, and people outside of this room, if you're listening, uh, we do a podcast. So if, if you want to go back and listen to any of our previous podcasts, you may go and do that as well. But I'm going to go ahead and get us started. I, there's still people partying out in the, in the foyer, so. Um, so, how we got here. How we got here was, you know, I was with, um, 2015, the Lord put it on my heart to go to Karis Bible College. Really, that was, I, I, 2011's when that happened, but I actually went to Karis in 2015. But, the Lord started bringing people across my path. Brad Hallman being one of them. Um, I also had Susan Alexander and a few others that you know, told me about Karis. And one of the things that I originally was looking at was I, I wanted to go to Bible school to grow. I didn't want to go to Bible school to teach. Okay? Because the Bible actually says that you'll get more scrutiny Teachers get more scrutiny. I thought to myself, I don't need to be a teacher. I get plenty of scrutiny already. There's plenty of people who want to tell me I'm wrong. Well, become a preacher. You will find out that people will tell you you're wrong. I mean, we went and put out a, a thing on Facebook, and I had people calling people false prophets and stuff. People love to be able to tell you, hey, you're wrong. So I didn't want any of that, but the Lord kept pushing me down the road to teaching. I thought, man. So we went to Jacksonville with another friend of ours, uh, Jim McCann the fourth. He, uh, he had uh, Faith Temple uh, over in Jacksonville. Now he's back at Victor Christian Fellowship. Um, and we started Life of Faith North um, with these good people that's spotted throughout the, the congregation here. But after the pandemic, you know, the Lord kept telling me that we needed to provide some opportunity uh, for people to go to church because people were, were kind of, people were, were sort of, uh, you know, they were staying at home. They might be watching church online or whatever, but, you know, I really felt like that we needed that connection. So we started meeting in my mom and dad's home. We met in my home. 
And you know, little by little, we had people that said, yes, we want to do this. And so what we ended up doing was we took the time, you know, to, to start cultivating people. And we got to the point to where it was like, you know what, we really can take, um, take this to the next level. And so this is what you're seeing here, right? We, we've, we've leased this building, and it's been awesome. Uh, you've seen the video that we did. We really enjoyed uh, doing all of it. It only took us about, I don't know, a month to, to do the renovations that we had, but it was very awesome. And, and that's where I was getting with the, the blood and sweat equity. I mean, there was people here that, I mean, Aldra spent probably six hours on one wall because it was so bad. I mean, that was how bad some of the stuff was. Uh, my in-laws were, you see these, this carpet, they have like, you know, these spots on them. Well, you can see it in the picture. They were really bad. But besides replacing all the carpet, we got in here and they were scrubbing it out. I had Steve up there. We were replacing the lights. I mean, I've had people come out of the woodwork saying, how can I help? And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to give you guys, I wanted to take just a minute and just thank you guys for putting into us. It's been awesome what you have done for us. I mean, I'm very, very proud of what has happened, but I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you guys most, actually, because the building's one thing. That stuff will pass away. But you know what? The bonds and the things that we've done so far, that's what actually matters. You know what? If, if God had never said, go start a church, you know, I would have never met most of you. You know, if God had said, you know, just continue to do what you're doing, go to one church, I would have had my friends and that would have been awesome. But you know what? The thing is, is that the relationships that we have the, the things that we cultivate together, that's what actually matters. So everybody give your own selves a, a hand clap right now. Okay. So who wants to hear the word? Woo! All right. That's what we came here for, right? Not a whole bunch of pat myself on the back. Okay. So a couple months ago, I guess it's probably four or five months ago, we were looking for, for church buildings and stuff. The Lord told us to start doing it. But he kept telling me to think bigger. And I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I really did not know. In fact, I actually taught a message on this, go big or go home. And so I was sitting there going, okay, well, Lord, you want me to think bigger. You want me to, to do bigger. And every time I would think bigger or do bigger, I would get a, I'd get a roadblock. And the Lord started telling me, he was like, yeah, you're, you're not smart enough, kid. You need to start thinking differently. And see, that's what this message is going to be about. It's going to be about how we need to start thinking differently about where the Lord wants to take our lives and our relationships. Because after I started thinking differently, I started seeing things differently. It's weird how that works. <laughs> I mean, you think differently, and then now I start looking at it. How many people, you know, how many people have went and bought a car 
and you'd never seen that car on the road before. Never seen it on the road before. Well, guess what? You go buy that car, and there's a thousand of them in your neighborhood. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't even know how, I didn't even know they were around. It's because when you open your mind to God's possibilities, you start seeing opportunity. And see, that's what God wants for each and every single one of us. Ooh, can come down just a, just a hair. So, we're going to blow the top off this big top. <laughs> we're going to get ourselves to where we're going to expand our tents, okay? Most people have heard of Isaiah 54, 1 through 5. I mean, I would imagine that everybody in here has probably heard some pastor tell you, you've got to expand your tents. We've got to strengthen our cords and our stakes. Do you know that as I was going through this and I was teaching on this the last time, the Lord told me, he goes, yeah, you got some out of it. But we're going to get a little bit more. Because what needs to happen is these opportunities that I want to give you, they're beyond just you. They're for generations. You know what's funny about this? We're pretty much fast food, right? I mean, I'm looking at the barbecue fast food king of Fultondale right over here. Tony Tykemiller got the best barbecue in about 300 miles. Hey, hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I take uh, free samples. But I will tell you this. You know, if Tony, it was taking 15, 20 minutes to go through his drive-thru, how many people would would leave. Tony would. I mean, this is, we live in the fast food generation. You know, and I'm not going to put this scripture up, but, you know, most of the time when a promise is given to somebody in the Bible, I mean, think about Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham's sitting there in the middle of the desert in a tent, and God shows up to him, and he says, he says, Abraham, he said, I want to cut covenant with you. I want to change your name. And I want to give you something. But it's going to take 400 years. It's going to take 400 years. What if I told each and every one of you, hey, if you'll just wait 400 years, I'll give you a million bucks. How many people are going to go, yeah, Dusty? Yeah, right. Four. <laughs> 400 years, this country's not even 400 years old. See, God is a generational God. He is, not, he is not just looking to give you something this minute because all we want is our, is our happy meal. All we want is the, the little thing that we move. Oh, well, I got my toy. I play with it. It broke all in five minutes and we're good. We're going to keep going. Because guess what? God doesn't want to just give you the toy you play for for five minutes and then it breaks. And then you're left with nothing. God wants to be able to give you something that your generation after generation after generation after generation, it just continues. You know what's funny about generationalism? is the fact that I can look here and I've got my parents in here. 
They put something in my wife. They put something in me. And now I'm putting it in my kids. I'm starting to see them start talking about their kids. You know that God is looking to be able to put something in you for you that will last hundreds of years. Do you know that every single time we get this small tent mentality? I mean, I don't know if you guys, all of you here are able to see the tent being blown up. These two guys are in a small little tent. They couldn't even sleep in that tent. But most people have the small tent mentality. Most people have this tent mentality just like the children of Israel had. Do you know that the children of Israel in Isaiah 54, do you know that they had went through a kingdom split in Isaiah? And what had happened was is that they, were, they had a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The king of Assyria, he constantly attacked them. They were being attacked on all sides by different people. And you know what happened? Eventually, one of the kingdoms dissolved. And then you ended up having a small sect of people. And God said, hey, you know what? It's not over. Because in about a hundred years, you're going to be taken over by the Babylonians. But I'm going to make you a, a promise. And that's what Isaiah 54 was. is because he was looking generationally. He was saying, look, all these bad things have been happening not because I made them happen, but because you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, the children of Israel were dumb. I mean, because what would happen is, is God would come to them and say, hey, quit doing all this idol worship, quit doing all this stuff, and you'll be okay. And you know what they did? They kept doing idol worship. And they would be taken over. And then they would go right back to God and say, Oh, God help us. You know, the idol worship was really good. Everything was great. I mean, they gave us all the, the drugs and the sex and the, the rock and roll and everything that we wanted. And it was great until they started killing us. When they started killing us, that's when I said, Maybe we made a mistake. <laughs> but see, this is the thing. In Isaiah 54... What we find out is that God is trying to speak to Israel and say, look, you really created some problems for yourself. I'm going to get you out of it, but it's going to take some time. But it's going to go beyond you. It's actually going to go beyond the children of Israel. It's going to go beyond your people because y'all are still going to mess it up. So in Isaiah 54, 1-5, this is the Lord talking through Isaiah to try to give the children of Israel, an idea that somewhere around 700 years later, things were going to get better. 700 years! Now, I believe time is shortening because we're in the end times. And I believe that we're seeing generationalism get down. Generationalism? We're seeing generations start to compress. We're starting to see people that are having things happen faster. Our technology is getting faster. Our knowledge is getting more. Our wisdom is getting less. But see, God gave a promise, and I want to tie this promise back 
to what we have in Jesus. And it says, Isaiah 54, 1-5, Sing, O barren, you who have, been, who have not bore. So you haven't had a kid, right? Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with a child. For more are the children of the desolate. So this word desolate, I want to stop here because I thought this was interesting. So this is actually a word that means to stun or grow numb or stupefy. These were the stupid people. That's what it means. The desolate was the people who were stunned. They, they couldn't grow. And see, what happens is, is that this had more to do with spiritual things than it had to do with physical. Because there is more of them. So from a physical aspect, they're creating more stupid people. I mean, just be honest about this. I look around and I find more of this happening but I don't see the spiritual growth. And see, it says here, it says, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. So this married woman is Israel. Okay? So God made a covenant. Go back and read Deuteronomy 20 through 28. You'll find out that Basically, God was wanting to create children out of Israel. And what ended up happening was he started, he wanted to take each individual person and teach them on their own. But what they said was, no, 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 send Moses up to the mountain and we'll do what he said. So he came back with some commandments and some laws and some other things. And, and it was more like a relationship between you know, the president of the United States and the people of the United States than it was between a father and a child. And so, so that's what happened. Go, go read Deuteronomy because that's where we get all this from. So essentially, God said, hey, I married Israel. I didn't marry the people. And it says here, um, enlarge the place of your tent. In verse 2, and it says, Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. It means don't stop the expansion. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. So essentially he's saying, hey, you need to expand some stuff. Right now you have this small tent mentality. It means that your mind cannot comprehend what I'm trying to give you. Your mind is not able to take in anything that I need to be able to, to give you at this point. So I need to expand your understanding. So we got to blow the top off this thing. By the way, the two guys in the tent on the GIF, they're the, uh, they're the stupid people. So we need to blow the top off the big top before it blows away. Now this one on the second one, this dude gets flung. Look at that. Look, watch this guy. He's trying to stop it. Oh, he got, ah! <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to add a little humor here. But there is something about these gifts that I believe are anointed. Okay? Number one, they're anointed by the funny bone. But the other thing is, is that they show us that we need to actually stake down in our hearts our belief system. 
We need to understand exactly what's going to blow us away. You know, I've been blown away many times in my life. You know, I was blown away when I found out about faith. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It changed me in a lot of ways. I had ADD and dyslexia, and I really had no vision for my life. I got a hold of I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It revolutionized me. But you know what was the other thing that, that really revolutionized me? Blew me away. Up, uprooted my stakes was that I found out about the grace of God and I found out that I had to have the grace through faith because sometimes I would sit there and try to have faith for something that I didn't have staked down, that I didn't have in the Word of God. Because a lot of times we'll sit there and go, I'm praying for something that I don't need to be praying for. I'm doing something that I don't need to be doing. And see, the Lord uprooted me said, you need to change your thinking. You need to expand what you need to do in your life. You need to expand how you believe. So continuing here in Isaiah 53, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 54, 3, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabitable. Guess who the descendants are? They're all Ewans, okay? Because Israel never did that. In fact, Israel, Israel was pretty much done after 70 AD until they came back in 48. See, what happened was is when Jesus put the kingdom of God on the inside of you, we expanded. And we are inhabiting the nations. It says in verse 4, it says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed nor be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame. For you, will, for you will forget the shame of your youth. I want to stop right there. There's another friend of mine that passed away a, a few days ago. And he was very influential. This was one of the scriptures that he sent to me on an ongoing basis. I see some head nods because he probably sent scriptures like this to you. This man, Alan Duke, Pastor Alan Duke, you know, he was following this big tent mentality. You know, Pastor Duke is in heaven right now, which, by the way, is way better than what we have right here. So don't feel bad for Pastor Duke, okay? I feel bad for us. Because we're here... And what he put in me and what he put in others, he basically has put it in there so that you guys and me, we're the descendants. That's right. We're taking this inheritance and we're, we're going to the nations. You know, every time you put into someone else, see, if you expand your tent, if you expand your mentality and you put into other people, it'll go far beyond you. Most of the time, we want to regress inside. Well, somebody's not going to want to hear what i got to say. Well, there's a lot of people that didn't show up today. We sent out 1,400 cards. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that said, I don't want to hear what you got to say. But guess what? They want to hear what you got to say. That's 
You know, I often get, I often get chastised for this. You know, church is not for the sinner. Okay, don't, don't crucify me, people. Okay? All right, I can show you scripture, so don't, don't find me afterwards and beat me up in the parking lot. Most of the time, people want to make church about, we got to bring the sinners in, and they got to be in the church and the seats and blah, 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 blah. Well, no, church is about us getting together, creating this opportunity for us to be able to speak into each other's lives so that we can go to the world. See, we got to expand our tents because these walls aren't big enough. Like right now, we're pretty much filled up all the chairs in here. Absolutely, almost filled up all the chairs in here. There ain't enough chairs. Somebody asked me a question one time before when we were doing Life of Faith in the North. They made the comment to me kind of smugly. They, they were like, well, why do we need another church? There's churches on every corner. I said, well, if everybody went to church all at one time, there wouldn't be enough seats to put butts in. Y'all can laugh if you want to. But, <laughs> I mean, but it's true. Right now in Alabaster, there's over 40,000 people that live within this vicinity. You can go take Church of the Highlands. You can go take Westwood. You can go take... I mean, go find... Go, tell me of a church name. They, if you were to continue to add people to those churches, there's not enough seats. Do you know why? It's because each and every one of us needs to be learning together so that we can go out... We've got to expand our tents. See, our mentality goes beyond our ability. Because guess what? I mean, I got news for you. I didn't know how to play guitar before I started trying to learn. Hey, Joseph, you know, great drummer up here. In fact, everybody give Joseph a hand. He came out, helped us out today. You know, I, I, look at, I look at young talent like Joseph and I think to myself, you know, because I asked Joseph and I was expecting him to tell me, oh, I've only been playing for like six months. Well, the man said, hey, I've been playing, what, two and a half years, three years? Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> See, I got it wrong. See, don't give me a fact because if I don't write it down, I'm not going to get it. But Joseph has been playing for 11 years. It even makes my point better, by the way. Because 11 years means that most of his life he's been playing drums. Do you know that if me and you only believed that the talent that I got when I, when I was born was all that I was ever going to get and I don't have to expand it. Do you know that, and you may be sitting here listening to me teach and go, you're not a very good teacher, but... I will tell you this, 10, 15 years ago, I was a horrible teacher. <laughs> I mean, I, I taught the first time that I taught back at Victory Christian Fellowship. I was in a youth service. I stood up in front of them. I didn't even get one sentence out. I probably said the same sentence over and over and over again. And you know what happened? Is that I told myself I will never do that again. I'll never do it again. 
And you know, one of the, one of the things that, that happened was, is God put me in a job where I had to give presentations. So God will sometimes laugh at you and go, no, nah, you're going to do it. <laughs> you're going to do it because I'm going to force you to do it through your job. And then eventually it's going to be like, hey, you know, after you do it a while and you're not nervous, you're actually able to give something to someone. You know, that was what helped me the most about doing public speaking. Is I had a, I had a boss tell me, he goes, he goes, you know what, you got a lot of good things to say, but you got to get over yourself. Because, see, I was afraid that you guys were going to laugh at me this morning. But you know what I did before I stepped up here? I said, ah, I'm going to get over myself. You know that you have something to say to these generations that are going to make generational decisions, and if you will put into them... They will put into others and it will continue. But you got to get over yourself. If you don't get over yourself, you'll never talk to them. In uh, verse 5, it says, For your maker is the husband, the Lord of the host is his name, and your redeemer. And the Holy One of Israel is called uh, the God of the whole earth. See, this was a precursor to Jesus. God was basically telling people, hey, you want to know what descendants after descendants after generation after generation looks like? Eventually what we're going to end up having is is that God is going to be the God of the whole earth, not just Israel. That's what we have today. We have a God that is the God of the whole earth. And you know what happens? He didn't cut covenant with one nation. So the United States of America is pretty awesome, right? I could probably get a USA chant going on in here, but we're not the only Christian nation. Do you know that there are places where Muslims are the majority? They're still Christians, and there's a nation that's happening on the inside of those people that are preaching those gospels in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, we left 14,000 people back when we left Afghanistan, most of them were Christians. They're still preaching the gospel. Even though they've been tr people are trying to wipe them out, they're still preaching the gospel. So how do we do this? Because I want to bring this to some practicality. Because I feel it. I feel you guys going, Dusty, you've said a lot of really flowery words. This is, this is good. But I don't know if I know how to do this. Well, Let's go talk about that. We're going to blow the top off your desire first. Because if we don't blow the top off your desire, we're not going to get to this, this place that, that you need to be in order to, to actually understand where do, we, where do we go next. What are y'all laughing at? Oh, he's just being pliable. He's being pliable. So we're going to turn over to Psalms 37, 4, and 5. And so Psalms 37, 4, and 5 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. This word delight means to be soft or to be pliable. Just like the gentleman that has his pant leg up, 
and he turns around, and really, he didn't have his leg in there. He was being pliable. But see, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord also, also, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit, which means to wallow or to roll oneself. So, you know, I, I, I used this one from um, the Grinch that stole Christmas. You know, four o'clock, I'm going to wallow in self-pity. Do you know that that's the way we use this word wallow most of the time? Is uh, They're just wallowing in self-pity. I hear that most of the time. I never hear somebody go, they just wallowed in joy. They just wallowed in love. No one really does that. I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe somewhere else. But I almost look like this guy right here that's covered in mud and he sticks his head in the mud. See, to wallow means to cover oneself every single inch. To not have one little speck of cleanness. See, what we have to understand here is that when I wallow around in my pity, that means that I'm just covered in pity. But see, when I wallow around in the Lord, oh, now I start getting something else. Let's find out what that is. It says, it says commit or to wallow yourself in the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So once you've covered yourself in the Lord, once you've become pliable, He's going to give you His desire. Have you, ever, have you ever had a desire? I mean, like, most of the young people are thinking, I want to be TikTok famous, right? I mean, I find out that most, you, you go and talk to a lot of these people that are out here that are, I would say millennial and above. They're like, hey, I want to have a YouTube channel. I want to have TikTok. I just want to be famous. I want to make a million dollars too. Yes, me too. But what I want you to understand is, is, that, is that when we start trusting in the Lord and we start having desires, there's a, a small little smidge of a desire that is in there that God says, I've given you a desire, but I need you to expand it. Like, you know, one of the desires I had when I was a kid is I actually wanted to do computers. When I was like five years old, mom had a book and she asked me, it was like one of those, you know, you write down, um, it was like a memory book or whatever. And she asked me what I wanted to do for a living. And I said, I want to be a computer engineer. I didn't even know what a computer engineer was. She wrote it down in the book. I looked at it just probably, I mean, 10 years ago, I was looking through it, and I just thought to myself how much of a prophecy that was. That was a prophecy of my desire. You know that growing up, I looked like everything but a computer engineer. I mean, I basically looked like I was going to be carrying like concrete around the rest of my life. I'm a big guy, six foot, well, six foot three now. Uh, I was six four, you know, have a strong back. And up here, I was, I was plagued and riddled by ADD and dyslexia. I didn't even graduate high school. So computer engineer was not in the, the mix, okay? 
There was no colleges that was showing up and going, we want to put you in our computer engineering program. No. So I get out of school. I go to Victor Christian Fellowship. Pastor Jim McCann III is preaching. I don't even know what he was talking about. You know, most of the time, if I'm up here droning on, there's going to be one thing that you're going to hear the whole time that I'm up here. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's going to be one thing that's going to hit you, and you're going to go, what? That's what I need to be paying attention to. It was one of those messages. It was, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. You know that in 18 months after that, the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to get to go into computers. And I got, I got a Novell uh, certification. Vicky probably knows what I'm talking about. Novell certification. I got Microsoft certified like two or three years later. I got Cisco certified two or three years after that. I started attending college. The Lord started healing my ADD and dyslexia. You know, it took me from 11 years. I didn't even graduate high school, so I had to go get a GED first. Okay? So I went from GED to a master's degree in computer engineering from UAB in 11 years. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. We live in the fast food world, right? And because something seems impossible, we don't think generationally. You know, it took me nine years of really hard work. My wife had to take up lots of things for me to be able to get my bachelor's degree. And then I thought she was going to cry when I said, I'm going to get a master's degree. <laughs> so God was changing my heart. You know, our desire usually comes a lot sooner because our thinking had to change before we can accomplish what he's trying to do in us. And so after a while, 2011, I get my, my master's degree in computer engineering. God's changing my desires and he's saying, hey, go to Bible college. And you know, one of the things that I didn't want to go to Bible college. So I didn't go to Bible college then. It wasn't a desire. It wasn't until the next year and then the next year. And little by little, the small desire started turning into a bigger desire. You know, and God started enhancing that. And then when I finally got to the point where it was like, hey, I'm going to go, which was 2015, I was ready. But you know, in every single one of those things, it was God's desire that actually came out of it. Because in everything that I'm doing today, there were stepping stones. Now, the smart people that did great in high school, like I look at my son, my son's like a straight-A student. Where'd you get that, buddy? I guess from his mom. <laughs> Mama. Mama's the smart one. But you know, the thing is, is that he's probably going to go and become a computer engineer. He wants to go in computer engineering. He'll probably go and do that and do it under four years. Great. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is that whatever desire God's putting in your heart, it's a generational desire. It doesn't matter if it takes you one year, two years, 12 years or if somebody else is going to take it from you and going to build upon what you need to do next.
You know, there's things that I will not complete that they will. Do you know that I'm going to put something in you today that is going to go on and you're going to take it on? Because I can't go and talk to the people that you talk to. And I can't talk to your kids because this is generational. I don't get to speak into your kid's life unless you bring them here. Which, by the way, we've got some seats that are open. So if you want to bring them, you can. But his desires have to become your desires. And so when we actually wallow, we make every square inch of God on the outside of us actually get in us. Now, now we start having his desires, he brings them to pass. It's pretty awesome. And then later on in Psalms 37, which I think is pretty awesome, it kind of it ties all this back together. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting to the point here to where I want to tie it all up for you guys. And in Psalms 37, 23 through 26, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he'll delight in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him in his hands. Verse 25 says, And having been young, and now I'm old, Yeah, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. You know, I want you to understand that the steps of a good man, they're ordered because every single desire that you have in your heart. You know, some of you may say, I want to go to college, but I don't have any money. I didn't have any money. You know why it took 11 years? Is because I would pay for it a little along. Sometimes I would fail a class. So I'd have to retake it all, the, all over again. You know what? Anybody that says, well, you have to be a straight-A student or somebody won't you know, hire you. Well, guess what? I work for the largest power company in the South. And I, I do pretty good. And I wasn't a straight-A student. You know what? Because at the end of the day, when God puts something in your heart, He's going to make a way. He's going to give you the opportunity. And it doesn't matter what grade you make. Just make a passing one. You know that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? When it says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. That means that when you fall down, get back up. In verse 26 it says, He is ever merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. So as I'm closing here, I've got three areas that you need to pay attention to. Three takeaways, if you will. The first one is, so God's promises to you and your children for this generational aspect is, number one, mercy. You know, God is merciful. And it says the only way to turn a situation around is to have mercy. You know, that's why God's merciful. Because if God wasn't merciful, He would be a taskmaster. You know, He would be the kind of person that if, that if He wanted to, you know, if He wanted to make you do something, then you wouldn't have free will. You know that... that God wants you to want to want Him. That's what love really is if you really think about it. 
Love is a choice. Love means that I get to choose the that I get to choose to choose you. I don't have somebody telling me. Like when I didn't walk up to Heather and go, Heather, I know you don't like me. But I'm gonna knock you over the head and I'm gonna take you home. See, that wouldn't be love. See, what I want you to understand is mercy has to have this action of choice. In Matthew 9, it says, But go ye and learn uh, the meaning. And it says, I have mercy, not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. See, what I want you to understand here is that repentance just means that I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn back to the Lord. I get to choose. You know that without choice, it's abuse. You know, that's one of the reasons why for your own family and for your friends and for your coworkers that you need to you need to give them love and you need to give them choice. Because you know what? They may not like you up front. But you know, I've found that every time I've given mercy, every time I've given grace, and I've given people the opportunity, they'll come back and choose me too. You know, I just got to keep choosing them. That's what God does, is He stands in this total choice of saying, I love you before you love me. And see, this is the awesome thing about God, is that God also lends. And see, a lot of times we think of that like a prosperity thing. But see, lending is not just money, it's peace and it's wholeness of mind. You know, sometimes, sometimes when when I have mercy on people, even the ones that don't like me too much, and I choose them, a lot of times what ends up happening is, is that I end up having a choice to go and try to give them a peace of mind. You know, there's a person I worked with, he, he's moved on to another company, but what ended up happening is he became the person that was my sandpaper person. And I, if you've heard me teach about this, the sandpaper person is the person who rubs you the wrong way. I mean, it's, it, it's so bad that every time I saw him, you just kind of, oh, I don't want to go near, I'm going to walk the other way. But you know what? The Lord just kept saying, love him, love him, love him. And you know, one of the things that I kept doing was I would love on him and then the next thing you know is I, they would come and ask me a question because they needed peace of mind. They needed something. And see, I was able to give them Third uh, John 1 and 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. You know, a prosperous soul, it is the it is the most important part of who you are. Because you can have pain in your body, you can be, you can have issues in your finances, 
And as long as your mind, your will, and your emotions are right, some people might say you're crazy, but you can just be like, I'm just going to trust the Lord. You know, God just doesn't give us prosperity or finances. By the way, if you find a million dollars that somebody wrote, God put this in your backyard, it's probably counterfeit because God doesn't deal in money. In fact, He actually said, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Who's on the, the coin? We got presidents. See, what I want you to understand is God gives you opportunity and He gives you prosperity in your mind so that you can see things differently. You can expand your tent. And then once you can expand your tent, then you can have all the things that you need. And lastly here it says, family begins with you. Be that spark. See, God was the spark. See, not only did He spark Israel in order to spark Jesus, He's sparking you. Galatians 3.26, For ye all are the children of God in faith if you're in Christ Jesus. So I want you guys to understand this. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you have all the things on the inside of you that you need. You can be the spark to other people. You have the opportunity to be able to create generationalism. You have the ability to be able to fix issues in your family. And guess what? All you have to do is be the first one to plant the seed. You know, love looks just like this. I know we've been mad at each other, but I still choose you anyway. How hard was that? See, true love. True love is not the abundance of what you give someone. True love is saying, I'm not taking your, your sin debt and counting it against you. And that's what Jesus did. 